Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where it is my extraordinary wish for all of you that in the merry-go-round of life, you avoid the downs and you savor the ups. Today, we're going to talk about a criminal issue that stumps a lot of people in terms of definition. The issue is, what is murder? What is murder in the first degree, the second degree? What is manslaughter? What is voluntary manslaughter? So pardon if I give you a little bit of information, and then I want to get to some really interesting cases that our country has seen and the results of those cases after we come back from the break. First of all, let's talk about something that I think all of us have heard the word homicide. A homicide is simply the killing of a human being. Murder and manslaughter are two different types of homicide. So we're not going to be using the word homicide because in all of these cases, people died. We're just going to focus today on murder, manslaughter, first degree, second degree, all these different terms. So what do they mean? Our country originated without too many written laws, statutes, and it came from what is called common law law that originated from custom and court decisions, judge-made law. So murder was always described in the common law as an intentional killing that was unlawful, meaning it wasn't justified, and was committed with something that in the law is called malice aforethought. Now, malice, in the common understanding of the definition of that word, means hate, or spite. But that's not exactly what it means in this context. It doesn't mean that a killer has to act it out of spite or hate. If a defendant intends to kill someone without legal justification or excuse, that can be malice aforethought. Aforethought, of course, means planned. So, in addition, most states, malice aforethought is not limited to intentional killings. It can also exist if the killer intentionally inflicts serious bodily harm that causes the victim's death, or if uh, the killer behaves in a way that shows extreme reckless disregard for life that results in someone's death. Now, in today's society, we've moved past common law in most situations, we have statutes, written laws, and every state has different laws, and state by state there's going to be, of course, different definitions. Uh, The statutes come from the common law, and we look to these statutes for important distinctions, again, like the distinction between first and second degree murder. So let's look at, for just a moment, what is first degree murder. First degree murder is 
killing that is deliberate and premeditated. In other words, the killer has the intent to kill and has had time, it could be a very brief time, to reflect on the killing that is going to take place. An obvious example of this is a wife who goes to the store, buys some rat poison, and puts it in her husband's tea. That's going to be a case of premeditated murder. Premeditated or first-degree murder, the killing occurs in the course of a dangerous felony, and often this is called the felony murder rule. So someone can be guilty of first-degree murder if a death occurs during the course of a dangerous felony, even if the person isn't the killer. Now, in most states, again, by statute, the death must be foreseeable as a result of the initial felony. So the classic example is, say, the getaway driver who sits in the car when his buddies rob a bank and kill a guard. The driver who didn't pull the trigger is still guilty of felony murder. In some places, like California, for instance, there is a statute that defines first-degree murder um, where there is an explosive device such as a bomb. The statute there, I'm reading, all murder which is perpetrated by means of a destructive device or explosive or by any other kind of willful, deliberate, and premeditated killing. That's defined out in California as uh, first-degree premeditated murder. So let's go to manslaughter. Manslaughter does not involve the same kind of thinking or intent in the killer's mind that murder does. It's distinguished primarily by the lack of intent to inflict serious bodily harm, not acting with recklessness uh, or disregarding life or potential serious injury. Voluntary versus involuntary manslaughter, all right? So we get to voluntary manslaughter that can refer to when the killer uh, is deemed to have been provoked, let's just say. Uh, we use the expression heat of passion, maybe during an altercation. That's voluntary manslaughter. Involuntary manslaughter generally applies where the death is not intentional, of course, but it is a consequence of the actions of the accused. Something like reckless driving while texting or drinking after drinking, as an example, uh, that results in the death of, of someone. The driver didn't set out on the road with the intent to harm anybody or to kill anybody, uh, but that's what happened as a result of getting behind the wheel and texting or drinking uh, before they, they take the wheel. So we get to now some cases. I think some of these cases are really very interesting. I've selected a few that I think are, are very good to show up the, uh, the discussion and make clear the differences in these types of cases. We have a guy who's driving a van full of kids, 21 kids to be exact, and he falls asleep and there's a collision. Two of the children, he's falling asleep. If I didn't say that, I think you figured that out. He falls asleep while he's driving. Two children were killed, 21 kids, two of them died as a result of this driver falling asleep at the wheel. The case was dismissed at the trial. The issue becomes on appeal of this case 
does allowing yourself to knowingly fall asleep at the wheel meet the intent required for involuntary manslaughter? That's what he was charged with, involuntary manslaughter, because he didn't intend to have anybody die. All right, I want to go to case number two. Case number two is something that we see more often than not with young men, teenagers. These are tough guys with big vroom, vroom, vroom cars, right? And they get on a stretch of roadway and my car is faster than yours. Oh no, my car is faster than yours. And they go street racing. Well, in this particular instance, these two knuckleheads are are racing down the road. And then all of a sudden, unbeknownst to them, apparently, um, the road narrows as they're approaching a bridge. So the guy who eventually dies tries to pass his buddy, uh, his opponent in this speed race, tries to pass him uh, just before getting to the bridge. And lo and behold, there's a truck coming in the other direction, a head-on injury, head-on collision. Injury results in almost immediate death. So is this involuntary manslaughter on the part of the other driver partaking in this road racing contest? We're going to find out. Have a third case here. This is a very interesting situation. There's a gentleman who owns a, a store, interestingly, a cigar store in the friendly city of Philadelphia. He sells Sterno. Uh, we all, I'm sure, have experienced using Sterno. It is the, um, the stuff that makes the fire light under our grills and that sort of thing. Now, Sterno, you may or may not know, is made up of substances from methanol and ethanol, both alcohol products, and as we just said, designed for cooking and heating. Methanol is much more toxic, and particularly if it's consumed internally. Okay, I think you know where this is going, right? So what happens here is that the store owner gets in a shipment with a higher grade of ethanol, and on the containers of each and every can of ethanol, it says institutional sterno, danger, poison, for use only as a fuel, not for consumer use, for industrial and commercial use only, not for home use. I think that's pretty clear. Nonetheless, the store owner uh, goes ahead and sells this to people, and it ends up killing 31 people, 31 people of poisoning. This was directly traceable to the store owner in the sale of that new extra-strength sterno. The gentleman is charged with involuntary manslaughter. Is he guilty? We're going to find out. The fourth case, very interesting again. Two guys are at a bar, and one of them is seen displaying a knife while they're in the bar. Short time later, they leave, and a police car cruising the area sees the guy who is eventually charged with this crime. They see him get into his truck and start driving erratically. 
when they pull him over, they see blood on his pants. Well, eventually, they find the body, the same guy that he was with at the bar. They find the body, and after the autopsy, they see that there were 60, excuse me, I said six, I was close, 26 stab wounds that caused the death of the buddy of the guy at the bar with the knife. Cops eventually found the guy's bloody shirt, same shirt that bar patrons identified that he was wearing when he was in the bar. Is this something that he should be convicted of first-degree murder? We're going to find out. I hope that you're going to come back. We're going to have a short break. I know that you're going to go out and save the world during this time, but I'd rather you listen to the break uh, episode for you because I've got some very, very important stuff for you to hear. I bet you thought the break was coming, but first, I want to give you a short, funny, real case. In 2007, a judge, right, a judge goes to a custom cleaners, a neighborhood dry cleaning place, and claimed to have the wrong pair of pants that he picked up. So you know what this guy does? He files a lawsuit for, hold your seat, $67 million. He claims that the pants he dropped off for alteration had been lost and that the dry cleaner didn't meet the claim of satisfaction guaranteed sign that hung in the dry cleaner's window. $67 million this guy is suing for. Then he reduced it only to $53 million. Oh, what a break. Well, okay, so guess what happens? Yeah, you got it. He lost the case, but not for the reason you might think. He couldn't prove that the pants that he did pick up were not his. All right, now we're going to the break. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up, and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to the legalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show.
Okay, so now you've had a chance to listen to me tell you about my Samico Club. I hope you'll consider joining. I do believe that it's the best deal out there. Better than fried chicken, better than the napkin. For $100, you can join the club and get advice four times a year and so much more. $100 a year. All right, I'm not trying to sell you anything particularly. Oh, yes, I am. I'm trying to sell you the Samico Club. But I really want you to listen to the rest of this discussion about is it murder or is it manslaughter? So let's go back. Let's talk about the first case. You recall I showed you or told you about the van driver falling asleep, 21 kids in the van that he's driving, and two children were killed. Well, is this something that he should be charged and convicted in this case of involuntary manslaughter? The discussion here is that he didn't intend, obviously, to kill anybody. He had no way of knowing in advance that he was going to fall asleep, but ultimately he was convicted of involuntary manslaughter. No intent, but his his understanding of driving was enough to make it clear that what he did was reckless. You, you start nodding when you're at the wheel. You need to pull over. I mean, that's just the bottom line. The statute requires in this case that the defendant has to be grossly negligent in order to find manslaughter. Well, he was not. But drivers have a duty to remain conscious or desist from driving. And in this case, he was particularly aware of his responsibility for the 21 little lives in the back of his van. So what he was doing, I think, as all of us understand, was something that is inherently dangerous. We take for granted that we can get in our car and go from here to there and nothing's going to happen, but I think all of us know that, well, you know, something can happen. And particularly when the driver is not conscious, bad things can happen as it did here, very bad things. So the argument that he was unaware uh, or couldn't be warned that he was going to fall asleep, the court found to be unpersuasive. Reasonable people are aware of what can happen if you fall asleep behind the wheel. They have to notice signs of fatigue within themselves and absent some diagnosable disorder that just click, you fall asleep. Absent that kind of thing, you're responsible. So he was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter on two counts for the two children that died. The next case, we went over the two knuckleheads racing, and we see that all the time on our country roads and stretches of highway late in the middle of the night. In fact, we have throngs of people that, you know, put down the flag and, you know, to, to evidence, time to go, you know, rev your engines. In this case, none of that, but these two guys are driving, uh, racing each other. The speed limit on the road was 50 miles an hour, and uh, the survivor said that they got up to 95 miles an hour, almost double the speed limit on the road. Again, 
the guy who dies tries to get in front of the other one as he sees the road narrowing in front of a bridge and he hits an oncoming truck in the opposite or the oncoming lanes of travel. Here, is the other driver guilty of involuntary manslaughter? Clearly, it's not going to be murder because he didn't intend for the other driver, his opponent, to die or to be hurt. The decision of the court was that, no, he's not guilty of anything. The cause of death was a decision by the guy who died to take a chance, not knowing fully what's ahead. It was not proximate cause, which is language that is used even in civil courts uh, in this criminal matter. Uh, it was simply a situation where the court decided that the guy who dies recklessly chose to swerve his car into the path of an oncoming truck, bringing about the head-on collision which caused his own death. Not guilty. The third case. The third case. Sterno. Again, how many of us have used it? I ra I'm raising my hand. I see what, eight, nine, 12 of you. Yeah, okay, good. We've all used it. We know what it is. Is the guy guilty of 31 deaths? Well, here's a result that you might not have gotten to because I didn't give you all the facts. The prosecution proved that the defendant sold Sterno with the knowledge that at least some of his customers were using it to drink as alcohol. Witnesses at the trial testified that the store owner asked some of his customers to conceal the Sterno when leaving the store. The store owner was or should have been aware that the Sterno he was selling was toxic. I mean, come on, it said that in 16 ways on the label. And it would be potentially deadly, it's a poison if it were consumed, because even the regular Sterno could be bad enough, but this was a new enhanced variety. There was more evidence. It suggested that the defendant attempted to cover up his sale, and the purchase of the sterno from a local wholesaler upon hearing of the initial deaths. Guess who he sold the sterno to? A whole bunch of skid row people. Okay, these are the underbelly of our society, but their lives matter. Guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Last, the situation with the guy who the cops pulled over, a little blood on his sh shirt and his pants. They eventually found the gentleman that he was at the bar with, where patrons described that he was wearing this particular type of shirt, and he had been seen showing off his knife. Then they found the dead guy, who the killer tried to hide in some bushes. They found the dead guy with 26 stab marks. What is the result here? Is this first-degree murder, or is it second-degree murder? Clearly, it was intentional, but it was not premeditated according to the result of the case. This is because 
the prosecutors, the police, did not have any evidence to suggest that it was planned in advance. This was a horrible, horrible crime. 26 stab wounds. That fact alone, however, doesn't show deliberation or premeditation or a long plot to kill, a long thought-out plot to kill. The court held that many horrifying crimes could be committed in what is called the heat of passion. No motive to support premeditation in this case. Even hiding the body was then ruled not to be evidence of premeditation. The court correctly identified that hiding the body only showed an attempt to cover up the crime. So now that you're understanding a little bit more, when you watch these police shows and these crime shows and these court shows on TV, you can be the judge and you can know whether the court shows are full of baloney and you can use these definitions and these understandings that you now have to be the smart one in the crowd and explain why the court show is not uh, not correct. Listen, I really appreciate you taking your time and listening in here. I would love you to give me a review. I'd love you to subscribe. This is a relatively new podcast for me, and your support means everything. Please listen in again, and whatever you do, remember, life is a merry-go-round, and so is the law. Avoid the downs and savor the ups. See you next time. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. And don't forget, sign up for Paul's Legal Club. You get four 30-minute advice sessions per year and much, much more. Only $100 per year. What? Lawyers sometimes charge more than $500 per hour. You've got to check this out. Go to lawadviceclub.com. That's lawadviceclub.com. Dot com.